Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. And again, you just have to remember what type of box are you trying to put yourself in. You have the experience and the skills are duplicating exactly what the person talks about. A lot of times people do have resume gaps and it's not that big of a deal to have a resume gap. So what that means essentially is it means that when you're talking about this job at the Eternal Revenue Service, if you want to be a litigator, you just need to make it sound like you're doing litigation work. If you want to be a tax attorney, that's fine. You need to sound like you're trying to be a tax attorney. But I'm assuming you want to be a litigator because you were working as a paralegal for these years doing a litigator. Then I would work on memorandums, declarations, and case summaries, which are all litigation related, and maybe just highlight those. And then, because you don't have to say every single thing you did, you just want to say what you did from that's related to being a litigator. Here, you've said stuff like you received commendations from executives and for accuracy and attention to detail. There's really, I know that's important to you, and there's no reason to say that, though. It's, those are things that people, you can, if, you, if, they, if you need references, that they can give you references for. But that's really what I would recommend is doing things that way and then making this focused on being a litigator. Just remember this other rule, when looking at your resume, people are asking if you want a specific type of job. And then there was the other thing. Employers are consistently looking for one thing in the practice area. So that's just very important. Make sure, again, be very careful about listing things on your resume that are going to detract from that. Anytime someone sees a resume that's trying to do a lot of different things, it always gets them into trouble. And and so this resume, by the way, as we spoke about, is probably the best resume we've looked at all day because of doing one thing. And this resume is doing a bunch of different things. And this particular rule is very important to make sure that everyone does this with your resume. Because again, employers are wanting someone to do one thing. If someone wants a litigator and this person has all this litigation experience, they know that they can plug someone in that's been a litigator for 10 years, that's also got experience as a litigator in the IRS, if that's what it is, not legal analyst, into a job there. Okay, so let's look at this particular resume. Okay, so this person graduated from the University of Virginia Law School in, let's see, in January or May of 2022, and then Goucher College in 2015. Okay, obviously, there's a great law school. They've put the bar admission at the top. That belongs at the bottom, and which is okay. Let's see. Then they have, they graduated from Goucher College in 2015, and again, that's okay. You can see here too, by the way, I wanted to show the difference between this person is highlighting that they were in school for five years or four, six years, whatever that number is. And then this person is just saying the date that they graduated. So that's good. Here, this person was a journal of Virginia Journal of International Law. The online editor, I don't know what that is, but I would just recommend putting down maybe that you're an editor as opposed to whatever this online thing is. It just looks better. Online just doesn't sound quite as good. So I would recommend doing it that way if it was me. What I'm a little concerned about is if you did go to, because you went to University of Virginia Law School, you're probably a pretty good student at Goucher College, I'm assuming, because that's a very good law school. And so you may have, you may be missing out, be missing out on, on including various academic, generally I wouldn't tell people to do that, but including various academic honors. Okay. So let's talk about this resume. And there's actually a lot going on here, but people, and this is the benefit for everyone on the call. 
So I've started to see a lot of resumes, more so than I, I used to, of people that were listed there a law clerk as opposed to an associate in a law firm, and which is okay. But I, I and generally, there's a reason for that. So this person would have taken the bar exam probably in July and then gotten the results in November. And then if they didn't pass, they may have left in January or most law firms. I don't know why this one would be different, but maybe they are. Certainly a lot of people take the bar exam a couple times if they didn't pass. I don't know if this person says they have passed the bar at the top. The odds are that this person has taken the bar and passed, but maybe they didn't. So there needs to be some sort of, this person was a summer associate, so they obviously did well. And then now, for whatever reason, they're unemployed. And, and that's actually okay. A lot of times people's first job doesn't work out. And it could be, it could have been the bar exam. It could have been a, some sort of, it doesn't matter. And a lot of times people have a rough start to their, to their careers. I noticed, by the way, a lot of people that go to very good law schools, whether it's Virginia or Michigan or whatever, have issues with the bar exam because they, a lot of times they come in with a, a false sense of confidence and it's just a request, a test that requires just a lot of study and that sort of thing. So I would probably not break this up into different things. And I would just say, I would love it if this person could say they were an associate or something. Maybe they can't because maybe they weren't, but that's okay to do it like that. And then, then this person was a, a legal, worked for the Legal Aid Society and then, and did these other things. So they graduated in 2015 and then worked, it looks like, for a year and a half for the U.S. House of Representatives. Again, be veterans, that's would be possessive. So you have to, again, I'm not turning on Grammarly. I probably will at some point today for all these resumes. But so this is a good resume. I don't think not passing the bar the first attempt or whatever the reason or losing your job because the law firm has financial problems or the reason that this person is unemployed is not a big deal. I think the resume is actually okay. For a lot of people, I would make more recommendations about removing this sort of thing. These are good jobs. They're okay. It's all kind of consistent. So there's nothing wrong with this resume. This person just needs to, in my opinion, apply to a lot of places. I think that the summer, I would just say summer associate, you would just say summer associate in these year, years and then there. But once this person passes the bar, they're not going to have too many issues, assuming that they do, they, they should be able to get plenty of jobs as a litigator, especially having been a summer associate. And things don't always work out for people at their first job, but someone will take a chance on this person and hire them. And so it's actually a, a pretty good resume. What I like about it is there's just not a lot of detail and things, and, and it's really not necessary to have a lot of details. I, a lot of this stuff, probably you can add this detail to your summer jobs or for a four-month job, you can add details here as well and here, but a lot of this isn't necessary. But this resume will be fine. And I don't think you, whoever's resume this is, they have anything to worry about at all. Okay. All right. And you can see here just the difference between this resume and a lot of the others we've looked at is there's just, there's not, everything is pretty consistent. This person wants to be a litigator. There's not a lot of unnecessary details. Everything's related to litigation. There's just this gap in the employment. And, and fortunately, most law firms will actually, even if you, everyone that doesn't pass the bar has issues or loses their first job, always gets jobs if they try. I couldn't place this person as a recruiter because they've never been an attorney or they're not employed right now and, and don't have enough stuff in their resume. But, but other than that, it looks like it's a pretty consistent 
thing that this person's tried to do well and throughout their career. So they should be okay. Okay. So there's some issues here and we'll talk about this. Passionate and accomplished attorney seeking an in-house counsel position. She's success in litigation trial work. Motions aggressive negotiator. Okay. So again, I never recommend anyone list this type of information. You also don't need to list your skills and these, a lot of these times when people list the stuff, it's all, it's, it's assumed in your background that you'll have these skills. So there's really no reason to, to list them the way you are. And again, this is something that a lot of times resume companies will do. They'll have you write a profile and list your skills. Most employers know, you know, what those things mean. Okay. So this is an interesting resume. So let's go here. Okay. Okay, so this person is the Assistant General Counsel at Landmark Worldwide, which is a large, well-known, growth company that runs, and, and this is what they put, and I don't know if it's true or not, but the, or we may have changed the employer, but this is the, a well-known company, and this person's seeking an in-house position. They have a lot of employment stability. So this is not, by the way, a good resume for anybody to be a law firm attorney, but it's a very good attorney resume for someone to work in in a company and they've done data privacy commercial leases corporate appliance and marketing that's fine they've probably done a lot of other things they've probably done a lot of general corporate and things in general if you're looking for an in-house position data privacy is a new thing right now and but and so people like to list that but there's a lot of other topics and things that an assistant general counsel would do on an ongoing basis and so that would probably be want to go in there and then one of the issues here is this person's first job is for, it looks quite a bit of time for 10 years or 20 years with herd in law offices doing foreclosure and bankruptcy litigation. I don't know that I would put all that in there. You want whatever you're doing. This person has so much experience in their last job. There's probably no reason to do that. But again, thing that you do that detracts from in your current practice area and what you're doing, you don't want to draw attention to it because every employer, again, is looking at your resume and seeing what can we do with it. So if it's an in-house employer, they're more interested in the fact that you have done, they may be interested in that you've done different types of litigation. So that's what I would write in there. Just doing litigation and contracts and things. I, but don't put in anything that detracts that you're doing foreclosure litigation and bankruptcy and so forth. Let me explain to you why that's important, just and everyone on the call why that's important, because we talked earlier about much earlier in the today and about the, these rankings and things. And so what this person's doing essentially is they've worked for a well-known development company, this landmark, and then they were working essentially for individuals. So they were representing a company, which probably is, I would say, a small to mid-sized company. I don't know how, I don't know its revenues or anything, but but then they were essentially working for individuals. And so there's a conflict there. It's okay, but they're working for kind of maybe a mid-size, a smaller company. And then before they were working for cost-sensitive individuals. And they're also have done things in different practice areas. So that could potentially harm the person. So I just would be very careful about that. And, and again, they're doing the same thing here. You can see this person took five years to graduate from college, maybe, I don't know, but Anytime you highlight things that look negative there, and then then they graduated, or you don't need to say that, I guess it's okay to say November of 1985 was right when you graduated, you passed. And then let's see, not legal residential mortgage banking professionals. Okay, so I don't know why you would have done resident, I guess because your last job was 
I see residential was real estate. Okay. This kind of detracts from everything. And, and to some extent, the, these additional activities, it's actually interesting to say you're a seminar leader. I think that's probably okay. But other than fixing this stuff, this is a good in-house resume. If you make it everything consistent with it right there. Okay, let's see the next one. Everything consistent with being in-house, meaning you, you remove a lot of this other stuff. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. Okay, experience, an attorney with a proven track record of securing positive outcomes for clients in civil litigation matters, including real estate, construction, personal injury, consumer protection, civil rights, and contract law. Okay, skill communicator. Okay, so a lot of the stuff, these summaries and things, again, I would recommend removing. What I don't, I would be very careful. Anytime you you list things like this, like secure, resulting over a million dollars in settlements and verdicts, like if you've had your own practice for eight years, it's no offense, but you would think that you would have done more than a million dollars in settlements and verdicts, but maybe not. And but all of these things are just things that are expected of anyone that has their own practice that they would have done these things well. And so this is, again, the sort of thing that kind of a resume company would do for you. And, and you don't necessarily need to say it. When you talk about being a solo practitioner, just think about how these words read to people. And so you could just say law offices of so in 2014, the present, and which would be your name. That's probably okay. Solo practitioner is just, it's okay. It just doesn't sound is is impressive as just saying the law offices of yourself or whatever. And then you would say that. And then here may want to just talk about the things you're doing right here. Civil proven track record of securing things for clients. And, and that really is probably enough. You can see here, you talk about it here, and then you also talk about it here. You don't need to talk about everything that you've done. You could just probably put this like here, like you've done. Now, one of the problems here is now you start talking about in-house counsel for various small businesses. And, and that can, can and may detract from the in-house counsel is a little bit different than maybe what you're doing up here. I would be very careful about that. And then I would also be careful about the, the pro bono stuff as well. Now, again, I'm not sure what this person is trying to do with their resume. And so all of this information may be helpful depending on what you're trying to do. But if you're trying to get a job in-house, or you're trying to get a job with a law firm, this pro bono stuff may detract from what you're trying to do, unless you're trying to get a position with with someone related to to your, to, I'm sorry, pro bono tenants and landlord tenant, unless you're trying to get a landlord tenant job or get a position with a nonprofit organization, that could help. But everything needs to be really as consistent as possible. And what that means is you need to make sure that everything that you're doing is consistent with your practice area. So this person, this is a very good resume for litigation, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it for litigation. And this person literally could 
probably get a job with different types of people. You may want to, if this person has consistently had two or 300,000 in business or 500 or a million or whatever the amount of business is, it would be smart to highlight that. The amount of business other than that, there's really not much that you would need to do. A lot of these professional memberships can come off. It's not getting admitted to the American Bar Association, paying a fee or the Bar Association District Columbia is not that important. And then obviously this person is admitted to the District of Columbia. They're admitted in 2014. That's okay. So you can put that down there. And then the education is fine. And then the volunteer experience probably isn't necessary. So this is a good resume. It's consistent. It does. It's for a litigation attorney. And again, you just have to remember what type of box are you trying to put yourself in? So are you trying to put yourself in representing cost-sensitive individuals? Are you trying to represent larger companies? And, and, that's, and it gives a lot of different ideas of that. One of the things I would always be careful about, there's nothing wrong with doing pro bono work. And it's actually a very good thing to do. But the problem is when you start talking about, when you start talking about doing pro bono related work, Law firms start thinking, is that more important than working on clients? And, and again, it's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And this is a nice resume if the person is just putting this up on, on their website or however they're using it. But the big things with this resume is you need to be very careful about this duplicative content, which means you have the experience and the skills are duplicating exactly what the person talks about being a solo practitioner. And then being an in-house counsel is a little bit different than working as a litigator, but it's okay. I mean, again, I didn't, re- you can see I didn't remove it. I also didn't remove the pro bono stuff, but you don't need to put the pro bono stuff in two locations because you also put it, I think you also put it down here or volunteer. Anyway, I, but again, I don't know that you'd want the pro bono, but you may just to show that you have a kind of a well-versed practice. I will say a couple things about this resume, just real briefly, that are interesting. I've seen resumes like this. I saw one the other day. I couldn't believe it of someone with a resume like this after 10 years working as a solo practitioner, which is exactly what this person is, get a job with a huge law firm. I couldn't believe it, but the law firm was looking for someone to be a floater and to have this different types of experience. And so this person, these kind of resumes, traditionally I would look at and say, not much can happen with them, but in reality, lots of good things can happen to resumes like this if they're cleaned up and really good. And there's a lot of very good things about this resume. What's good about this resume, just so everyone understands, is this person was able to graduate from law school, start their own practice and get all these clients and do all this work and train themselves as a litigator and be an in-house counsel and do all these very impressive things. So it's actually pretty amazing when you think about it to be able to do this without anyone's help and to do all this. And law firms actually, believe it or not, a lot of them will look at this and be very impressed that this person was able to do all these things and train themselves and, and then go out and be a pro bono attorney and help other people. A lot of times, even myself may look at someone that has their own practice like this and not necessarily think it's the most positive thing. But in this particular instance, and a lot of them, it does show a lot of strength and an ability to fight and get out there and carve your own path, which a lot of people don't necessarily have that ability. Okay, so I'm going to stop this sheriff just for a second and pull up another batch of resumes. So we have a, another batch that I'm going to go through real quickly. And thank you, everyone, who sent all these resumes. See, here's a second set of them that I'm opening right now. And then I will go to the Q&A after this. So we don't have a ton of resumes to review in the second batch. And then I'll go to Q&A. We'll do questions for all of the 
the resumes and anyone that has questions about the resume today. So let me just make sure I'm sharing. So this resume, so this is the next one. Okay, we'll explain recent work app and a cover letter. So you don't need to say that necessarily. A lot of times there's various assumptions that people reach when they see these gaps. And I want to talk about them a little bit. So I'm going to go back to the, this real quick. This is the last group of resumes we looked at. And because it is important to understand resume gaps, and that's a big kind of issue that people always have. So give me one second here. Okay. So when people look at your resume, again, they're kind of asking themselves, can you do the job? Can you be managed? Can you do the job long-term? Do we like the person? And these questions. But this particular person has a, a resume gap that's not that bad. It's what is it, almost three and a half years and was a patent prosecution attorney for a big company and a Japanese company. Okay. And was doing a lot of different things. And then before that was a patent attorney at a very, two very, a very good firm. And then also a patent technical advisor. So this is actually a very good resume for a patent attorney. And, and there's some things that are a little bit mixed up here, but that's okay. So we'll go to that in a second. Okay, so the first thing is there's a resume gap. And a lot of times people do have resume gaps and it's not that big of a deal to have a resume gap. So there's some assumptions that people have about resume gaps. And, and it's really not that important to talk about, but, but if it's, I guess it is important. If it's women, not all the time, but the presumption is, and this is maybe sexist, I'm not, I'm just saying what employers think, that left for family reasons, meaning to help out with the family, whatever, but that's, Usually the presumption and law firms like that. Law firms are perfectly happy to take people back that have done that. So that's really, and as a matter of fact, I don't really notice any, I think it's harder to get a position with that than without, but it's not that bad. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. So you have that. Then, then the other, and then for men, it may be laid off. Or this it's, it's obviously not as good or tried something else or often sick. I'm just, again, I'm not trying to upset people here. I'm just saying this is what law firms ask about. So I'm going to say, you know, what law firms assume or laid off and I'm sick, personality issues and other stuff, et cetera. So this is, so the presumptions about men are obviously a little bit worse than women, unfortunately, women, but not always. Okay, so this person is a patent prosecution attorney. That's what they say at the top. You don't need to say that. Law firms will read this and understand it right away. This person doesn't need to say that they were promoted twice, that they have a lot of employment stability. So that's very good. And you can see that, you know, what they did. I don't, I guess it's this, they were, they, they had these different positions. What would probably be the best thing to do would be to put all those into you would say you would combine these into one thing. So you would almost say, I guess you can do it the way you're doing it is actually fine. It just shows a history of being promoted and this is okay. The issue here that's interesting is important for everyone to understand is the person went from essentially doing patent prosecution 
where they were preparing patents, you can see here, and, and to managing patents. So that's, and then that shows, can that starts raising questions like, can the person be managed? And whatever, if the person's trying to get a law firm job. So that's just something to think about. And it's not necessarily that important, but people may want to put this person in a box. And if they do, they're going to want to understand if this person is capable of doing patents or are they, what is, or do they want to manage patents? And so a lot of times when people get into a management role, that can be, that's much different than being in a non-management role and managing things. People don't like to go back many times after they managed. And, and so that's a problem. So I almost would recommend with this particular resume, just so you can understand, I would probably recommend combining these, just putting these different types of jobs the person has had under here. So you would probably go something like this and, and you would put all this under this just to show the, the, the fact that the person's continually improving in their roles and you put it like that. And then let me just see here, and then like this. And this looks like three separate promotions and which is good. And then, and then somehow working this stuff into a fewer lines. This is might, might be the way I would handle it, but something, and then summarizing this experience somehow, the experience in a way that makes it look like you can do whatever the job is. And what do I mean by that? So the, what this person has done is there, there's a lot of stuff on the resume that may detract from, from like here. So the, here, the person was doing patent applications. They were preparing patents since they had two, seven years of experience doing that. So if they're applying for jobs in law firms, the law firms may want them to prepare to do patent applications. And so this resume, then you would want to have it talk about preparing patents and supervising patents. If the person's applying to another in-house company that's similar, you would talk about doing managing patents as well as doing patents, but you would summarize the experience in a way that makes it look like you can do whatever the job is so that you're applying for. Because law firms are going to have jobs for this person to be a patent prosecutor. In-house companies are going to have prosecution jobs, but also other types of jobs. So in order to get back in the flow of things, the person's going to have to choose something and they may not want to do patent prosecution because a lot of times what happens with patent attorneys is they get from doing patent prosecution to wanting to manage things or sometimes they go into patent litigation. But in this particular case, the person probably is going to want to do something a little different. What I would recommend here is summarizing the experience in a way that's applicable for each job that you're applying to. And that this actually looks very good when you show the, when you just do a few lines because something else is going to detract from whether or not you can be managed, whether or not you want to do the job, whether or not you look like you do the job long-term. So people want to know that. And then this is very good. A lot of this stuff though is uh, just expected of a patent attorney. So I would just work on it this way. So I would probably just put things in prepared software, just talk about things this way. You don't need to put in all this. And then people know, most people in the, that do patent patents know that this was a patent law firm. And then you would basically do something very similar to this. I would probably just do this and, and just talk about the fact that you were a patent prosecutor there as well. So you want to, you don't need to have a lot of information. I would just say you're a patent technical advisor and people know exactly what that is. And almost the same thing here. You could just say, Patent prosecute. You, you could almost just say patent prosecution associate, 
and, and then allow people to ask questions about that later. Here you're doing software mechanical and electrical patents. So let's see what your, your experience is. Here, this was an externship. When did you graduate from law school? 2000. I would almost recommend removing that. There's no reason to have that. It just detracts from that. And then the patent law clerk is great. Again, same thing here. I would just, pat, I would just say patent prosecution, put it like that. And don't say it's an intellectual property law firm. Just do the same thing here. And again, the reason you do things that way is just because everyone knows what a patent prosecution associate, everyone knows what here, every, everything just starts reading only about patents and not other things. And so here you were a construction defect attorney from 2004 to 2005. That's okay. And here we go. This is a Women's Intellectual Property Lawyers Association. That's great. We chair of the website committee for a nonprofit. I don't think that's that important. This being a programmer is great. Program analyst is great. Senior program analyst is great. That's all related. So I would leave that up there. And these degrees are all great. And yeah, other than that, I think I wouldn't even put anything about your construction defect litigation position attorney job. I didn't catch that when I looked at it and I may have saw missing dates and things. October 2005 to 2009, and then you were a construction defect attorney between 2004 and 2005. So I just, I wouldn't even put that in there. The big thing to remember is everybody wants that people have to, people want to see things that are consistent with one thing. So talking about all the management you did at RICO is okay, but, but that may detract from being a prosecution associate or whatever. And then all of this stuff related to being a programmer and, and everything is related to practicing law. So that's great. And, and so I don't think you have, it's related to being a patent attorney. So people love it when people have been program analysts and been programmers and things, they love that. That's all very helpful. And I would recommend if you do that, it'll be good. I think even if you are applying for in-house positions, which I'm assuming you want to just summarize your experience every, I would, this person should summarize your experience every time in a way that is related to that particular job. That you're applying to so whatever the employer is asking for you would go and you would summarize your resume for each employer and do it that way and then let me see what you have here yeah and then what i don't like you can see here is this is the same here then it's the same here and it's the same you know it's just the same you don't want to use the same language a lot of times people know what a patent prosecution clerk is or an attorney and so you can do things that way the bar number i guess that's okay to have that on there but you would just say California State Bar and then patent bar is probably enough. Patent bar. That's okay. So other than that, it's a pretty good resume. I think this is a very good resume for being an in-house patent attorney or even this person could even potentially go back to a law firm. One thing I would recommend for all patent attorneys, some patent attorneys, not all, have very specific expertise in one type of patent, one type of patent that others don't. And if you do have that, then it's always a good idea to highlight that in your experience if applying for a specific type of job. So there's, this is just some advice for how to apply to jobs. But if this person, I'm assuming Rico, it could be, I'm assuming it's a Japanese company. I don't know, but there may be issues that are relevant to Japanese companies operating in the United States. And there may be law firms that represent them in patent matters that are similar. I think Rico is a copier company or something. So the idea would be finding other companies that represent Japanese copier companies or copier companies and what are the types of patent issues that come up. And then that would be who you would be interested in and 
and what are there certain types of patents that are relevant to copiers or scanners or whatever it is that they do or printers and then finding law firms that have that expertise as well would be how I would do that. And and so I, I would think that this person would be very marketable if they were to both law firms and also to in-house companies if they figured out how to find employers that hire people just like them, just like them or have their in the, in their industry. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com. 